1: Hey Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. You know, I, I gotta tell you something I think is somewhat funny. Somewhat. It's just it it's on the it's on the outskirts of being funny. So you know that I hired uh a new assistant. His name is Ken. He's a listener of the Church Planner podcast. Oh yeah. He's from Massachusetts, and the funniest thing is <laughs> he's He's a Methodist, and every time I think of that, this is what I think of.
2: I'm a Methodist.
1: We believe that the Lord is our Savior, and we remember him by going to church and praising him every Sunday. I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. We believe all the same things that you believe, but we go to church on Saturdays.
2: What?
1: Dude, I just can't help it, man. Every time I talk to him and he's like, yeah, this is what's going on in our church. And, and I'm like, it's just funny. I just, I think of that. And it actually has nothing to do with that.
2: Well, let me ask you, is it kind of like when my wife would say, Peyton, that's a joke. that's only funny to you. Is it funny to Ken or is it just funny to you? I don't share that with Ken. Oh,
1: okay.
2: Well, you <laughs> I did don't, now.
1: I don't, well, we don't know if Ken's going to last. Could you imagine, right? He just quit his job to come work for me. He listens
2: to the podcast, and I'm going, I don't know if he's going to last. Oh, I dig it, man. How's hey, funny you that? know what? It, it, I'm just saying, you guys, when Pete makes these offers, hey, come work for me. Good luck with that. <laughs> Good luck with that. Dude,
1: I am. I can be a taskmaster. Yeah, baby. Things, uh you know that. You know that because we were just talking about someone else, man. I'm like, nope. 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 <laughs> <laughs> So, do you got to get Smack Talk. I, I did get, uh, you saw I, I got Mad Max in 3D.
2: Yeah. That's
1: I didn't even awesome. like Mad Max, but I like the 3D setup at my home so much. I had to get Mad Max in 3D.
2: So, I have girls, and uh, so that, that is even more of an oasis to me. But my friend says, I just bought Mad Max in 3D. Uh, like I say, it, it, it's a diesel opera of blood motor fumes and fighting it, it is it is a thing of glory i mean it is just a magnum opus uh,
1: um we'll, i got like we'll call 20 it minutes mr left.
2: max's opus that is that is the you know the life achievement of that directive. you know what's funny I'm, I'm watching it
1: last night i still got like 20 minutes what? left because without me dude i'm not waiting for you so hey, i'm coming down the next two weeks i'm just saying
2: you're not you're not Andrew asked me, I, 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 I did I got get your, I
1: did get Terminator I, Genesis in 3d as well.
2: Cause you know, I'm all, about I didn't see that one, but anyways, Andrew, uh, we were doing something and I, I, I made an exclamation and Andrew goes, what? And and then you feel stupid. Cause you're like, oh, that, you know, now I got all excited. Now I got to tell her what I'm excited about and she's not going to be excited. So then I told her, oh, Mad Max, you know? And she goes, so I guess you're going down there to watch it now, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny is I was actually
1: thinking about this as I'm watching Mad Max, and the thought that goes through my head is, I bet you our most influential podcast would be that one that you and I talked about doing, which is The Gospel According to Hollywood, where we just yeah. pull out all the gospel messages we can from Hollywood movies. That would actually be our most impactful podcast. It would,
2: Why don't we do it? And Guys, we're I never going to do it. And we're kind of pushing this one. This is almost like the Star Wars podcast. I mean, Disney, you know, we ought to be employees of Disney. I'm just saying. I find your lack of faith disturbing. Don't make me destroy you. You have failed me for the last time. I got a bad feeling about this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I,
1: don't, I don't know what you mean. It's
2: a Star Wars podcast. Where, where's that coming from? The Star Wars Church Planning Podcast. Because everybody knows that church planners are Jedi. That's just the way it is. Don't build the empire, I am baby. Your
1: father, Luke. Give in to the dark side of the force, you knob. He's a Jedi 17 times, eh? <laughs> hey, before so. we actually get into more smack talk, what are we talking about today? Mm, let me guess. Uh, <laughs> I asked, I'm having this conversation with Ken. I go, yeah, I got to go record the podcast. He goes, oh, really? What are you talking
2: about? Let me guess. Preaching. <laughs> <laughs> Are you guys starting to notice a pattern? So it's an eight-part series. It was originally, what I say first time? Oh, three or four, eight-part, right? This is eight. No, this is nine. Oh, nine. Yeah, you're right. That's right. This is the third trilogy. This is the final act, everybody. And uh, we got to think up a Star Wars name. What would the ninth film, if the first one is The Force Awakens of the new trilogy, um, what would be the third one? I have no idea. Well, you gotta make something up and then I'll make it into preaching. That's how the game's played. The dark side of the pulpit. Oh, yes. Indeed. Okay. I'm just throwing that
1: out there. That's Yeah, because we're got. talking
2: about preparation today, but not yet, because we got a little bit of smack talk. I was I was going into uh the fact that I have girls. So uh uh, you know, when you have girls, it's not like having boys. And if, if I had boys, all we would be doing in my house is dun, 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 dun. dun, dun. And I sent you, by the way, I I, I post on Facebook and I think I tagged you. The little baby singing in its crib. I, I have been playing it, remember you sent it, but I
1: actually don't remember hearing the sound.
2: And uh, the, the baby's in its crib and they got the baby monitor on. The baby's going da, 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 da. It's awesome. <laughs> So, uh, but anyways, I got girls. So last night, this is what it sounded like in the Jones house. Whip, whip, watch me nay nay. And I've never seen this. You don't even know what I'm talking about, right? I have no idea what you're talking about. So watch me whip, whip, watch me nay nay. There's some little dance that's going around right now. And, uh, so my, my daughter who six was showing me, watch me whip, whip, watch me nay nay. And then my wife turns the YouTube on and pretty soon we're watching all these school kids. Now I'm putting the baby down. So that's how I escape. But, uh, but anyways, last night. So every, every night before we go to bed, I take my six year old potty. So she can wet the bed. Right. She's probably beyond that now, but you know, who likes to change a, a pee pee filled bed every morning. So I take her every night, no matter what I'm taking her uh, to the toilet. (laughs) My wife's in the hallway and I started making my, you know, cause she's, she's asleep, you know? And so I kind of walk her through and she's half asleep when I'm on. And I started making her do the little dance. Watch me whip, which watch me nay nay. And, uh, and it was like, you're mean. And, uh, that's where that story ends. Why are you mean? I don't get it. Because I was making my, my daughter dance in her sleep. Oh, in like her, her sleep. like a puppeteer. Yeah. She was asleep. I was walking her to the toilet like 1030 at night <laughs> and, uh, I was kind of puppeteering her, you know, watch me whip. Whip. And my, my <laughs> wife is, my wife is laughing, but she's like, you're mean, no, don't do that. You know, cause you know, for you as a dude, you're going, this is awesome. And, uh, I can, I can do, you know, this is what guys do with stuff like that, you know, cause I couldn't really get into the whole dance thing. It's not a dude thing. So as the man in the house, you have to kind of, you have to, you have to entertain yourself some way with these
1: things. That's classic. I dig it. Well, I guess one of the other questions that I got for you is, um, Have you been thinking about getting started with some online giving?
2: Uh, Pete, you know that since you've been converted, you're not supposed to use your psychic powers anymore. Well, I call it just being a prophet. (laughs) Or deeply insightful. Well, yes, Pete, I have, as a matter of fact. Well, let me ask you a follow-up question to
1: that, kind of like a part two. Have you been using PayPal as a cheap and easy placeholder?
2: Man, it's like you have a hidden camera in my office. Always true. There are a master and an apprentice. (sighs)
1: Well, stop it. A better solution is here. Get MoGiv.
2: I I thought you were going to say get to the chopper.
1: Get MoGiv.
2: M-O-G-I-V
1: dot com. It's an online and text based giving platform built specifically for the needs of new, growing, shrinking, and sideways churches. <laughs> Go to mogive.com forward slash church to learn more. That's oh, all
2: I'm yeah. saying. Yeah. We need the Kool Aid Man to come out at the end of that. Oh, yeah. Bust through the wall just for impact. You think? Yeah.
1: I like that. I kind of dig be that cool, a huh? Yeah. So, what other smack talk you got?
2: Nothing. Nothing? No, dude. I've been so busy. I don't have time for smack to happen in my life to talk about later. Same with you, man. It's kind of been the same for you. We've both been. I'm as busy as a one-legged man in a butt kicking contest. Let's put it that way.
1: I don't know that that guy would be busy. I just think
2: he would be really ineffective at a good quality (laughs) butt kick. If you can picture the visual of it actually happening, that's about what I felt like last week.
0: Get to the church blind. Get to the church blind. Go now.
2: That's all I'm saying. Now I hear the song. Dun, 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 dun,
0: dun, dun.
1: Well, if, uh, if our guests would quit missing their, their interviews, we'd
2: actually be more consistent with that podcast. No kidding, right? I'm just saying.
1: I'm just throwing yeah. that out there.
2: Yeah. But the next few weeks, we got some amazing ones lined up. That is true.
1: Um, and they're amazing only because they're done by really famous people. We don't, don't know yet
2: on the content. Yeah, we don't know if it's going to be good, but we got some big names. we got like four big names. One of the guys we have I'm really excited about coming up is Steve Smith from uh, T4T, Ying Kai.
1: I think one of the things that I get most excited about is how excited these guys get when they hear they've been invited on to a Peyton and Pete podcast.
2: Yeah, yeah. They they seem to
1: get really excited when normally they wouldn't. (laughs) They kind of do, huh? They're like, you're going to ask me the question at the end, aren't you? Aren't (laughs) you? and what's funny is some of the people who are coming on you know who I'm thinking of the the second one in the series yeah I'm like oh man who do we match him against <laughs> like I'm he's kind of he's kind of like the clobber dude he, he could take anyone on I'm a little bit afraid to ask him because I'm <laughs> I'm afraid he might think those are fighting words and he's like why you want a piece of me you want a piece of me oh I can't wait
2: for you guys to hear that one, and then we can reveal who it was. Right, it'll be obvious when you see their name on the thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that's all I'm saying on that. I don't really have much other smack talk other than I've been like you, man. I've been slammed. I've been so busy, and I actually I didn't tell you about this. I just got another offer last night, and I think I decided this morning I'm, I'm going to turn it down. I'm, I'm not going to take it. But it, uh, you know, another company needed some marketing help and it's a buddy of mine and he's like it's gonna pay you a lot of money i'm like i don't think i want
2: to do it yeah that's good man it's a good place to be and uh, we got some exciting things we're talking about as well so plus jump school getting ready to launch so relaunch it's gonna we're be not cool. relaunch but relaunch yeah it's perpetual but we're we've got some cool
1: stuff coming up so
2: yeah the uh jump school film in our hands now
1: Woo! Yeah, so that's going to be released um, pretty soon, right? What are we, like yep. 30 days out? Cause we got, Something like that. we got it finished, so yep. we just have to, I don't know, the guy who, I, I don't know, it doesn't make sense to me that the guy goes, here, it's finished. By the way, you need someone else to put it together. Like, that doesn't even make any
2: sense to me. Yeah, it's a movie thing. You wouldn't understand it.
1: Apparently so it's not. It's a movie
2: engineer thing, yeah. So they got the sound and the video together. And I'm going, how do I put these together? Apparently, you need software to put video with audio. That's how they do it professionally.
1: They mix it together. And why he doesn't give you the finished product? Beyond me. That's all I'm saying. Uh, It's because
2: of British speeds and American, all that stuff. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Don't ask me.
1: Mm. Well, whatever. Whatever they do. But it does look good. So
2: It's it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful.
1: For those of you who are wondering what in the world we're talking about, we uh Peyton actually put together a, it's a six part video series to help you train your core team, and uh, we had a Kickstarter for it, and that's we needed the Kickstarter actually to finish off the uh, the financial piece that we needed, mm-hmm. and then that guy has taken a forever and has uh, blown through all of his deadlines like uh, they were nothing to him
2: because he. Just blew through him? (laughs) He kind of got famous is what happened. He's actually in Hollywood right now. He won the pitch competition, which, giving a shout out to uh, Pinewood Studios of Star Wars fame. They uh, run this pitch competition for short films every year, and he won. That's actually a uh, big deal. It's a big deal. So he's out in Hollywood right now making connections in Hollywood. Fully expense-paid trip. Um, They're hooking him up. So uh, we could not afford him now. To uh, do it. And he was one of my church planners over there. Um, but back then, he was just doing like documentaries and more like safety films, you know, that kind of level. And he This, this is game, how man. you put a sheet belt on. <laughs> when lifting, be sure to use proper body mechanics. Always bend at the legs. <laughs> I was just going to say waist. that. <laughs> Always use your legs when lifting. <laughs> Your back must remain in an upright position. Someone should. I bet you they should have like Jimmy Fallon do a whole bunch of those videos and stick them on his YouTube channel. Oh, man. The the best of those I ever saw was on the Pee Wee Herman Cable special back when I was in junior high. And they took the old 1950s movies. And they have this one where they're like, Jimmy did not want to be a Mr. Bungle. There's this guy who like doesn't wash his hands. He doesn't hold the door open for ladies. And the commentary on this is hilarious. So,
1: uh, you know, the other 3D movie that I got recently was Jurassic World, and I know you didn't like it, but I think it's because you guys didn't see it in 3D. I could see that. I I say the same about Mad Max for you. Mad Max just wasn't that good of a movie. I bought it because it was in 3D and I'm a 3D junkie. I thought you bought it because you loved me. I'm like,
2: Pete loves me. I thought you bought it for me. And yeah. he goes, why would he buy that?
1: I'm like, because he loves me. That's no. how you know that, that Pete loves you and wants you to be happy. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny is only a few people will understand that quote. Absolutely.
2: So, hey, I got, I got a couple. As long as we're on the announcement thing. Um, number one, I need to give a shout out to Matt Fretwell. He heads New Breed East. And if you want to get in touch with him, he is a great brother. He is actually actively recruiting church planners right now uh, for new breed. If you don't know much about new breed, new breed is a super network, which means it is not, uh, it is not a competing network with other church planning networks. It's a network of it's guys. Super. From, it's like a super it's superhero. Super network, it's better superpowers. And it, it actually is a network of guys from other networks. So we're cross denominational. We're cross networks, and we come together. We got some guys from So in it. We got some guys from Converge. Some guys from Nam SBC. We got guys from all over Calvary Chapel. Um, at just about every church you could be affiliated with or not affiliated with is uh, is is in there, and uh, we come together and share our best practices. And so, anyways, on the East Coast, we got a guy named Matt Fretwell. He is our uh, director of East Operations. And you can get in touch with him, pastor at oakhallbc.org. And he wants to hear from you. If you're like, hey, man, I don't have a network I belong to, a training network, um, get in touch with him. It's pastor at oakhallbc.org. And he is in particular looking for guys up in the New York area. He himself is in Richmond. He runs uh, an amazing uh, movement right now in Richmond, Virginia, and you can get in touch with him there and uh, anyways, other than that, be sure to check out because we didn't give it a shout out earlier in the month be sure to check out the uh, latest addiction of uh, a latest addiction of uh, church planner magazine on the stands in your local iPad newsstand
1: you know um... Last week's podcast was an interesting podcast because you and I recorded it, and then last minute you uh, panicked because of some things that you had said, and you're like, "Send it to me. I'm gonna edit it out. And I'm gonna re-record a section." Which, <laughs> <laughs> which is why all of a sudden you know pizza part of the podcast, and then it's like this rant for 40 minutes from Peyton. Was and it then, that long? Yeah, you stretched. Our podcast was only like 35 minutes. Yeah, it was, it was the shortest ever. In fact, at the end, I go, hey, that's the shortest podcast ever. And then it ended up being like 55 minutes because you um, cut out some part and then added so, this huge chunk in there.
2: I, you know, when I talked about like how language changes, I had more examples and they were too juicy. I had to take them out. I was like, I can't put that in there. You know, that's something that should be said in conversation. Like, here's some examples of what to avoid. But I, I went to bed that night and I'm like, oh, no. You know, like I wasn't trying to be crass, but those things, I'm not comfortable leaving them in there. So I went and took them out. But then, you know, it was early. I was sitting there with my coffee early Monday morning, and I had the muse. But you can hear the difference in my tone. I'm speaking super slow. The coffee is not fully kicked in yet. <laughs> oh, well, the funniest part to
1: me is I thought it was ruined. I was just checking his Facebook to see if it was ruined. Someone put this. What's it called? A, a Mimi. Yeah. A meme, yeah, <laughs> a meme, whatever you call those things, a meme, and, uh, and what it was something like, do, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Where you, yeah. you said, it was,
2: um, it was he goes, some guys get up there and bore people for an hour. Well, if you're gonna bore people, at least make it thirty minutes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, well, I
1: saw that before I listened to the podcast. And I'm like, that's a funny line. When did Peyton say that? Because I totally don't remember that from the podcast. And then I realized when I was listening to that one, I'm like, oh, it's because it's part of the section that Peyton redid. And so I hadn't heard it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So did you go back and listen to it? Yeah. Because I wanted to hear what you said. Yeah. I said a bunch of stuff, man. I I was going on a major ta- tangent with uh, Spurgeon and Lloyd-Jones. Yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, hey, speaking of major talents, uh, tangents, what's wrong with me? I can't talk. What's wrong with me? I don't know. I think your head's
1: in a totally different place. We just got off a phone call right before we're doing this podcast, and all you wanted to talk about was the phone call. And I'm like, I got something else I got to go to. So we're doing the <laughs> podcast. So I know. I'm all excited. With that, Doc Brown, take it away.
0: Great, Scott. It's
2: time for this week's topic.
1: And this week's topic would be?
2: Well, preaching and preparation. So uh, not preparation H, my friend. Same joke
1: be... as last week. I love it. Did, you, did we actually make that joke? Why do a new joke when you can repeat an old one? A I classic like that. We made that joke. Oh, yeah. Did you you, you said the joke? exact same thing. You, you're oh. like, we're going to talk about preparation and not preparation H.
2: <laughs> hey, shows you where my, my brain is. Man, I'm telling you, before I preach, I don't know, man. I don't have IBS, but it sure feels like it before I preach, man. It's uh, My body just goes into revolt. And uh, I don't know if you guys have this, man. When you're done preaching, I have. I'm Wait, I'm wait. Do, are we going to have to edit out this one, too? I mean. No. No, you can talk about that.
1: I mean, if you can talk about the Hulk burger, man, Hulk smash, then surely. I'm just saying, you know. I think if you say IBS, that's as far as you need to go. <laughs> And that's it, and then we can kind of move on to something else. We're moving on, brother. <laughs> Speaking of movements. Let's move. <laughs> okay. Did Doc Brown hit us already? Oh my gosh, you don't even pay attention to your own
2: podcast. Dude, come on, when did you learn that?:
1: Yeah, Doc Brown hit us. Okay. It's, I don't know if you remember this. We did the uh, Banner Brothers jump school call last month, so I'm listening to it, hearing, um, you know, what we'd said. And you're like, well, I don't think we sent out the reminders. So I explained to you, well, you aged out of the program, right? You've been in it more than 12 months, which is why you're not getting the reminders. (laughs) But everyone still in the program is getting the reminders. And then like, no kidding, two minutes later, well, we didn't send out the reminders. And I'm like, oh my gosh, do I have to go over this whole thing again? You don't pay attention to anything I say. So all of that to say, yeah, Doc Brown already chimed in.
2: Quarterly review does not pay attention, does not read instructions, runs with scissors.
1: Disruptive to others. Calm down,
2: diddly, diddly,
1: diddly, diddly, diddly. They did their best. Shoddly,
0: diddly, diddly, diddly. Gotta be nice. Still, diddly, diddly, diddly. Ah, oh, hell did I think, dog crap. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, still the best. Hey, did you get those ones that I sent you earlier? Like last week, I'm like, dude, you got to put these in you didn't huh you probably sent it to me and i'm like like i don't i don't have read them. other things you to do them. I, yeah i probably did okay so okay guys so when we're talking about you know prepping your bible study it you know your sermon whatever you want to call it whenever you're going to preach um it's important to kind of know um know thyself as a golden rule i said this on the last podcast there are a couple books i want to throw out to you that that i felt really helped me um in prep and, and and not just you know the ones that I talked about Spurgeon lectures and my students that's going to show you what the sermon ought to be um, DMLJ Martin Lloyd Jones preaching and preachers he's going to talk to you a lot about content structure and delivery um, preparation comes into that the uh, journals of David Brainerd um, I know that's an unusual uh, uh, thing to talk about as far as sermon preparation. But that book was written by a missionary in the 18th, or, uh, 18th century, 1700s. He was the guy that Jonathan Edwards looked up to. He was younger than him, but his devotion to God was so amazing. In the 18th century in New England, he took a tent and pitched it out in the woods to reach the Indians with the gospel. And most, most guys that did that came back dead. Hmm. So, um, you know, that's what he did. And his journals— Show this heart uh for lost people, and he saw an absolute revival out there, like there was one time where he was um out there preaching, and he's using as much Indian language as he can use, and they're they're trying to understand him, and this one comes to him after he's done preaching and and just starts saying, "My heart black, my heart black, and the conviction of the Holy Spirit had set in on this this uh, Native American uh, and had penetrated the language barrier. Like he was like, I don't know if they got anything because of the language barrier, but he was doing the best he could. But his journals are just amazing. They show you the passion that you should have for people that you're trying to reach. And just the love you you feel Christ's love. He's, he's, he's upset. Sometimes he doesn't love the people he's going to preach to enough. And, um, I've mentioned this before but it is worth mentioning again. Um you know one one old Puritan uh they asked him on his deathbed what he regretted more than anything and he said that I didn't preach the love of God enough. So mm. as you're prepping um you know just know that That people need hope, they need love. They need to hear above everything else the good news of the gospel. And um and a couple more books that I would recommend is um Derek Prime and Alistair Begg, On Being a Pastor. Um, it's it's by Moody Press. It What is extremely valuable about this book is that Derek Prime was Alistair Begg's mentor. And uh, Derek Prime ministered uh, for years um, in the UK. And um, he is now uh, retired, but he was a, um, a minister in Edinburgh. And of course, so Alistair you know, was mentored by him in the ministry, served with him as an assistant before coming to America. And uh, what they do is they both write about how they prep and how they organize their sermons, how they catalog illustrations. It's all the things that have to do with being a pastor, how they organize their time. And Derek Prime is extremely uh, a by-the-book, everything-in-its-box kind of guy. Alistair Begg's not. And, Almost every, what will happen is Derek Prime will write. And then afterwards, uh, and it's usually very organized and crossing all the T's, dotting all the I's. And then Alistair Begg comes in and just starts confessing, I don't do any of this stuff. And I've always admired Derek for being able to to run his life this way. But let me show you how I do it. And what's brilliant is these two guys that have been powerfully used by God um, in the pulpit. Uh, have completely different means of doing things, and you'll definitely glean stuff out of reading that book. I minister, or I, I mentioned the other book last week, "Ministering Like the Master" by Stuart Olliot. and probably the one that again is a is an unusual title to put in here um, is Spirit Empowered Preaching by Arturo G. Azurdia, the third. That's not a mouthful. I don't know it is, but that book is. Um, The whole book is not about preparation, but there was a particular turn of phrase, something that kind of there was one section where he's talking about your study. And this is probably where I'm going to kind of launch today is he talks about when you're preparing that you need to be um, in, in communion with the Holy Spirit. And you need to be walking with God. I mean, really, that is the, the, the key preparation. If, if you walk with God, that's so much of your preparation mm. and your content and your delivery done. The reason why is that if you're walking with God, your preparation becomes what Artaxerdea considers. He says your desk or your, or your office becomes a sacred study. It's a place where the Spirit's meeting with you before you've even gotten to the sermon, before you've delivered the sermon, the spirit of God is already channeling through you. And so as you're writing, it's a spiritual exercise. Then as your content, you're you're mining your gold, you're striking onto these deep rich nodes because the Holy Spirit's guiding you in your preparation. Mm. And it does make a difference. And then finally your delivery, there's gonna be an anointing. Even if your content hasn't been the strongest, there's a way that you communicate the truth that you are communicating, but the Holy Spirit is owning it, and it, it just drives it home. So, so that's the first thing, is to walk with God. And as you're prepping, another thing is to make sure that you are being you in your study. Don't go into your study and try to be Mark Driscoll. Mark Driscoll has his strengths as a teacher. He also has his weaknesses. Uh, Mark Driscoll's biggest strength was information, but his biggest weakness was giving information. Um, You know, he he wasn't as strong on the application. He wasn't as strong on, you know, often his sermon would be giving information. So I watch guys who are like fans of Mark Driscoll, which I'm a fan of. I I think Driscoll's an excellent teacher, but don't try to be someone else because as you try to be someone else, You're going to pick up their strengths, but you're also going to pick up their weaknesses. Whereas being yourself and who God's called you to be, as you're in your study, you you use the vast wealth of teachers and preparation and groundwork that others have done for you. But don't try to be anyone else. Be who God has called you to be. Make your own mistakes and learn from them and become a truly great preacher as a result.
1: Mm. Interesting, man. I don't know that I really have a whole lot of comment on it only because uh I feel like you were just in lecture mode.
2: I kind of was. Which is know, but kind of how you are. Preacher. It, it kind of is. Hey, who who had to even, you know, point out that you weren't on the show. It was 25 minutes, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pete, as one who listens to sermons, um you do have more expertise than you uh than you um probably uh give yourself credit for
1: well i don't know about that but what was funny to me was listening to what you said last week i was like why didn't you say this when we were doing the podcast together because i actually could chime in on some of those (laughs)
2: points (laughs) you know what's funny about doing the podcast though sometimes when you're talking and the other guy starts talking you're, you're thinking about the next thing you're gonna say, and it and it actually makes it harder to interact. I go back and listen to the podcasts. It's like a whole other show to me sometimes. Well I don't think that's what most people do. I think that's what you do because you're just oh, thinking yeah. about the next thing you're gonna say. Yeah, that's pretty true. Apparently, that's a bad thing in interpersonal communication, apparently,
1: yeah,
2: yeah it, no yeah, it
1: actually last week's uh, I wish I could remember what you said, but like everything you were saying. I'm listening to it going, that's exactly what I tell people in marketing. Who knew that preaching was so close to marketing? <laughs> like,
2: but anyway, that's beside so, the point. So the first thing you need to do when you're prepping, right? You, you, you hop into your study and it's you know 10 o'clock on Saturday night. Now I'm teasing. Hopefully you've been prepping during the week. And you'll find as you prep different days of the week, as that clock starts ticking, your preparation style changes. If I prep on a Monday – It's too distant. And, but it, I do amazing groundwork.
1: That's interesting.
2: Yeah. Because what, what happens as it, as it, uh, I find this if, if I'm further out from the time I'm going to preach, I'm more objective. As I head closer to it, I, I get sucked more and more into it. So, like, I have guys ask me, you know, hey, can you send me the outline? So I'll send the outline by like Wednesday. But I always tell them, look, this is going to change radically because what I've been doing is See, the groundwork I, I would the actually prep- I would interject here that I think it's important for people to understand
1: this is a personality thing. Yes. Oh, most definitely.
2: Like I said, this is a golden rule deal. Know thyself. Yes. And so yeah. for 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 me, the golden rules know thyself because people other people won't be like me the further out they get from it. And by the way, I study for it far out. But that's not my richest time. My richest time is when I'm up against it, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, so for example, I finish my sermon by Friday because I like to have Saturday off. But I go on a sunny morning and I completely rewrite my sermon. Because when I rewrite it, it's so rich on a sunny morning before I preach it. This amazing connections. And also part of it is you get away from it. So some guys like to to do their prep work and then go for a walk around the block. Or, you know, they'll leave it a day and come back. And because it's had time to marinate, and that's why I start on Monday. If I'm preaching that Sunday, I look at the text either Sunday night or the following Monday because I want it to marinate. I want it to be in my thoughts, kind of like it says in the Old Testament, meditate on the Word of God Uh, when you're in your bed, when you get up, when you stand, you know, God tells him when you're coming, when you're going, when you're on the road, he tells him to meditate on the scripture day and night. And he lays out all these times. So I want to take that passage with me all week. So when I'm in conversation with someone, it's there when I'm, you know, working out, it's there in my mind. I know what I'm speaking about later. And I'm marinating on it. It'll come up in conversation. I look at Andrew and go, hey, I'm preaching on this. What do you think about this passage? And uh, boom, boom, boom. You know? Hmm. In fact, I got a buddy. The way he preps is he invites guys over to his garage. They crack a few beers and they talk about the passage. And he goes, and we have a collective preparation session. And that's how I make my sermons. And then I take all that stuff. I go away and I distill it. Into something that I feel God wants me to say, but now I've got these multiple people giving insight into it. Kind of cool, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That's definitely a personality thing, but yes, yeah. it's awesome, man.
2: Yeah, it it has to be a personality thing because your preparation is you sitting in an office alone normally. And everybody's so different on that. Some guys like to write. Like, for example, um, some of the the tools that I used when I was starting off, and I want to talk about the chronology of how I prep. But, for example, there, there are just some tools that I'll tell you. Um, statistically, you retain 70% of what you write. So uh, 30% of what you say, um, 10% of what you hear. And so what often happens is guys will um, – hold on. Sorry, I hate that. You know, you can shut off one one instrument and the rest of them, I don't know how to do that still. So here's the thing is you will uh, be finding guys that only type stuff on their computer. And the hard thing about that is that you're only going to really retain 10%. So I would write out all my sermons by hand so that when I preach, my brain literally is not glued to those notes. I know where I'm at. I write big letters and I use a four color pen on a blank sheet of paper. I draw pictures. Sometimes if I want to show like uh, a shepherd um, running through the lamb's wool to pick out parasites, I draw a picture of that. I don't write all that out. And then, you know, there's there's a couple minutes worth of, of stuff for me to say. Um, I use lots of pictures. Um a picture's worth a thousand words. Um, I use different colors and I always write, if or if I'm typing, I type from a right-sided margin. So rather than a left-side margin, um, your eyes will catch the jagged edges if you align everything to the right side of the page. And your brain will just remember that better. And it also makes it easier for your eye to catch on where you left off.
1: That's really interesting. I've never heard that before. Who would you steal that
2: from? Uh, Danny Bond, my oh. wife's old pastor. I met with him once. He was a master preacher. And uh, I, I asked him, I said, hey, how do, how do you prep? And he showed me. Now he typed. So when I got a little more confident over the years in what I was going to say, um, I would still write out, like I still handwrite my, my initial copy of my notes. Then I go back and I retype everything. So I have a permanent record of it. And then my final version is going to be typed, but some guys aren't there yet, you know, and, and please understand, like I've been, I've been preaching 20 something years. You're not going to be able to necessarily harness all the things that preachers do at 20 years. You will be a different preacher at 20 years than you will at two years. And you, you just need to find out what works for you. For me, um, for the majority of my preaching, uh, years, It's been handwritten, four color pen, And I, you know, I I just had little tricks. I use Roman numerals, I use subpoints, I use pictures, I I use different colors of ink for for different things. Um, I have symbols on there tell me it's a transition or this is into an illustration. And you just you just learn that stuff, you know? Hmm. Interesting, man. I dig it. I like it. So the first thing I'm gonna do. When I'm preparation, uh, when I have preparation
1: H, when I have preparation H.
2: I am going to. Um, I'm I'm not just going to rely on God in the pulpit. I'm going to rely on God in the study, and I'm going to ask Him to really be there. I think it's weird to start studying the Word of God without asking God for illumination, without saying God, kind of like it says, "Open my eyes." that I'm Psalm one nineteen. Open my eyes, and I might see wondrous things from Your Word that's what I want. I want God to open my eyes. The word of God is rich. It's me who's dry. So, um, and you know, Psalms, Psalms one says, you know, blessed is the man who, you know, walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. And it lists it off and it says, but on his word, he, he meditates day and night. And then it says, he will be like a tender shoot. You know, um, his root will not wither. Um, in other words, when you're constantly in the word, Um, it's just, it's going to be rich. But if you're not in the word all the time, then when you come to a sermon, it's like you got to get back into it and you waste a lot of time. And I like what um, someone said, I don't know who, but they said, read yourself full, preach yourself empty. So what I would find is I would be reading, not just for sermon prep, but I've always read books that keep me um, you know, kind of fertile, they keep me, they, they're constantly speaking to my heart. I'm, it's kind of like hearing the, what the Holy Spirit has said to other people at all times. And I'm constantly taking in different types. I might read an apologetics and, a, and then a devotional and then a book on prayer and then a, a commentary. And I'm taking in all these different formats all the time so that I'm reflecting that. I'm giving that out. And what I tend to find is even when I'm, when I'm reading things that have nothing to do with my sermon— the perfect illustration comes as a result of me just being diligent and faithful to study to show myself a workman, uh, show myself approved, a workman who needs not be ashamed, but who rightly divides a word. People will be like, "Where'd you get that illustration? I've never seen that one." Well, because I didn't get off the internet, I mine for my own gold. But I'm reading myself full. I'm preaching myself empty. I have this backlog of stuff that I, just kind of like when I give the podcast and I'm I'm busting out these quotes all the time, um, a lot of these are just stored. They're just stuff I read, you know? Does that make sense?
1: It does. I usually tune you out during the podcast, so I don't think I pick up on them.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what am I going to do with you, Pete? I don't know. So uh, the, the most important thing, Is you want God's message. What's God's message? What is God saying here now through this text? And so you're gonna do all your prep work, you're gonna get your exposition done first. That's the first thing I'm gonna look at. Is and and it's not my end goal. I don't feel like when I exegete a passage that that's it, I've done my job, I'm gonna get up there, I'm gonna exegete, illustrate, and apply. I feel overriding all of that stuff, because we've talked about all that, overriding all of that is also this thread of the prophetic unction, the message that Jesus wants to give me today. What is it like? There's a million different ways I could go with this passage once I have the exegesis. I can illustrate it a bunch of different ways, and I can apply it a million ways. So, Lord, what's your message and I usually will make that my common thread going all the way through. Mm. And so um, that's one thing. Um, when it comes to your preparation, I think if, if you make hearing the message, uh, rather than being a good speaker or rather than being funny or rather than being entertaining um, your first priority, then your preparation is going to be awesome and God is going to meet with you. If you're like, I just want to be funny and you know your motives when you're, Prepping. I want people to talk about me. I want to be big on YouTube or I want to be um, well liked or I want to. And those things are, I would say, any honest preacher struggles with those things week to week. I I do. You know, I'm sure I'm not alone, Um, but all those things factor in. Um, God had to ask me a few years ago, do you want to be liked or do you want to be used? And I decided, well, I probably want to be more useful, um, which kind of was a way of saying I'm I'm going to be me and I'm not going to try to impress people with you know like have this preacher post persona I'm going to be Peyton my wife knows who Peyton is I know who Peyton is and dang it everyone else should probably know who I am too you know and Pete you'll say that right you're my friend what you see is what you get I'm not I'm not like two different dudes right I don't know you always tell me
1: to delete those texts <laughs> So you've been trying to get me to go on Snapchat so we can have our conversations there (laughs) and then they just delete.
2: I don't know what that's all about, but you know, whatever. Yes. Those are just meant for me and you Pete, but, uh, but that's, you know, that's, that's a big, big part of it there. Make sure you're getting the message. I think your, your inclination during preparation is going to help you. And then the, the, the direct steps that you have from there, um, your structure, like I said, needs to have a logical flow. Um, you need to have each point hinged on the other um, and then study, you know, study, um, you know, read things like uh, I remember reading. Oh, shoot. What is it? Um, let's see if I have it on my shelf here. I'm looking. Hold on. I see it. It's called The Territorial Imperative. This is a total evolutionary book. It, it's a book that uh, is all about how animals uh, and people act the same so that all of our traits as human beings, you can find them in the animal world. And I remember a guy telling me, you need to read that. I, I, I grabbed it. I read it. It philosophically was the exact opposite of what I believe. Um, and yet, I mined so much gold out of that. So um, what I'm saying is read widely. Read from secular sources. Read from books you don't agree with. Read liberal uh, commentaries. Because sometimes uh, they have the best insight. Um, William Barclay uh, was a, a, a liberal commentator. And yet, if you ask the average bear, who is the best, who has the best insight on the first century uh, Palestinian culture? Hands down, I really says William Barclay. So you use that stuff. That's not where you're going to get God's message. But you might get some insight there um read widely read poetry read theology read books of sermons i can't stress enough that um when you read uh make sure you have sermons in your collection
1: and from and when, other guys and, and when you read your book on tape which you can get a free trial at audibletrialcom forward slash cpm that's another way you can read just saying
2: indeed indeed and, um, you know, and, and I would say, guys, that you can't, you can't look at Paul in the book of Acts and even, even read his, uh, his letters without realizing if, if you really study these things, you see that Paul was very educated. And, you know, just a sermon on Mars Hill alone, um, you see that he was reading voraciously things uh, from that part of the world, from that culture. Um, he's quoting there. He says your own scholar. So he quotes Athenians back at them. He was reading all that stuff. He was told, you know, your great learning has driven you mad. But what Paul did is he harnessed uh, all that literature back from the gospel. And just case in point, A.W. Tozer, um, there's a famous story about A.W. Tozer that he read through Shakespeare on his knees. He literally went on a pilgrimage through Shakespeare on his knees saying, God, this is the greatest writer in the English language. Help me mine out of him everything I can to serve the gospel. Mm. And that's what he did. And um so, so so you're saying we can do a podcast on movies? <laughs> Absolutely. And please or we can guys, watch Mad Max in 3D. Yes, and it's a gospel activity. <laughs> but but here's the thing is make sure that you're using movies. Movies, you know, in, in times past, people read books. You know that. Um, only 10% of the population reads books. I mean, that That's crazy, right? They just happen so to all be pastors. 90% of the population will not read a book this year. So we're like, it's like, you know, uh, Jan Martel said in The Life of Pi. People are like, what? Oh, yeah, I saw that movie. That one, remember the Indian boy on the do See, I don't, I
1: don't even think most
2: pastors do that. I think
1: most pastors are so caught up in the Christian books, the church zeros of the day, if you will. Oh, yeah. I don't course. think they're oh, I don't beautiful. think they're spreading out enough to even read the Life of Pi. You know what I'm
2: saying? Like, yeah. Well, see, I, I love a bookstore and I will go through it because I know good books will be tomorrow's movies. And here's the thing though, no, I just like to read. I'm a book nerd. I can't right, help yeah. it. And the 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 deal is I'm also a movie freak. And I will pick a movie any day over a book, but at the same time, um, like the classics, man, um, you know, uh, uh, William Defoe. um, uh, Oh shoot. What was that? What was that book you wrote? Um, with Friday and, um, Robinson Crusoe, man, that thing is filled with the gospel. Um, Jacqueline Hyde. You, you, ever, you ever read Jacqueline Hyde? You read I've seen the- it. They've, they've done it several times as a movie. <laughs> and I think it's a TV so, show. So what's great about this is you go deeper when you read the book, because and and what's great is everyone knows a story because of the movies. No one would know that. No one would would have ever known Peter Pan if Disney hadn't made it into a film. No one would know Jekyll and Hyde uh, from Robert Louis. The only movie or the only things, you know from Robert Louis Stevenson are things that were made into movies like treasure Island, Jekyll and Hyde, you know, well, Jekyll Hyde is Roman seven. So when you actually read the book, it's that Dr. Jekyll is tired of feeling, and he actually quotes Romans 7, he's tired of feeling guilt. So he comes up with a potion that will get rid of the struggle of, oh, you know, why do I do the things that I don't want to do? Why, you know, those I keep doing, the things I want to do, these I don't. So he comes up with a potion that will separate these two natures within him. So he feels none of the guilt during his working day when he's behaving, but his animal nature will come out. And so he's learned to separate the two personalities into alter egos. And so that, that's how he answers scientifically the Romans 7 problem. And he quotes Romans 7. So the whole thing is, you know, his motivation for writing that was, wouldn't it be cool if there's a way we could actually get rid of our guilt? And so you put that to work for the gospel. Moby Dick, uh, 180 references to the gospel in that book.
1: Um, do you think there's going to be 180 in the new movie coming out this December?
2: It's funny you say that that isn't even Moby Dick. I read that book, heart of the sea. I read that book. Um, I'm going to go see it. Oh, dude, I'm going to totally go see it. Well, Moby Dick was my favorite novel. That's why when I saw heart of the sea in the bookshop. I'm like years ago, I was living in Europe. I'm like, oh, I got to read this. This is the, the true story that inspired Moby Dick. But, but here's the deal. You, you you read that stuff, and, and particularly the classics, A Tale of Two Cities. One of the greatest illustrations of the cross of Jesus is at the very end of that, where he goes. You know, this is a far greater thing I I do now than what I've ever done. A worthless guy goes to the gal, or goes to the chopping block, the, not the gallows, the guillotine. He goes to the guillotine, gets his head chopped off um, for a just man who shouldn't be there. And he, he says, this is the best thing I've ever done. My whole life before sucked. But, you know, and then you flip-flop that. Well, that that is Christ. Um, uh, everybody know Les, Les Miserables now because of the movie. I, I, I would just like to say that when I had to do a book
1: report on A Tale of Two Cities, I watched the movie. <laughs> Les
2: Miserables, right? A fascinating um picture of law versus grace so don't ignore these books man enrich yourselves with them and don't just listen to guys like me like mind your own gold learn some of this stuff even if it's a book on tape 1984 um that's another one i mean there's so many books where you're just like uh Are you talking about the apple commercial <laughs> oh you you meant the movie okay i got you never mind so here's the deal let me just give you my schedule because i know we got to wrap it up here but the first thing I'm going to do when I get, I have a schedule of what I do and I write it down. I'm actually looking, if you've ever been in my office, I got a bunch of chalkboards all over my office and I write down all my crazy mad scientist projects on the wall. Well, one, one of them is on a cupboard door that I, that I painted with chalkboard paint and it says sermon prep. I'm looking at it right now. The, uh, the first thing I do is I go to textual meditation, and I meditate. I don't crack a single book when I'm prepping a sermon. I meditate on that text. I read it. I take it apart. I, I might write out the lines, and then underneath it, write what it means. Circle words. I might do a, an exegetical study on it. Find the words that are repeated. But I'm going to do textual meditation, Then I'm going to pray about it. And I'm going to say, Lord, help me with this. What are you saying? And I'm praying as I'm doing that part of it so that I get the message, so I feel like I know where I'm going. And then when I consult the commentaries afterwards, first guy I'm going to go to is Matthew Henry. Second guy I'm going to go to is a guy named Weist, And Weist was a Greek scholar. He's got a four-volume set, highly recommend. But Matthew Henry, I'm sorry. In hundreds of years, 300 years, no one's ever come close to being as rich and as deep as him. Spurgeon will back me up on that, um, but I used to read him. I read him for my quiet time. So when we came to Leviticus on Through the Word, early days of the podcast, it's because I went through Matthew Henry and Leviticus. That's why I mined so much gold out of it. Um, when other people stop, I grab Matthew Henry. And I actually read through. Spurgeon said, if, if you can do one thing before you get married, um, you're single and you have all this time to yourself, read through Matthew Henry cover to cover. It was the best advice. I didn't make it all the way through, but it was the best advice I've ever taken from Charles Spurgeon. Um, then what I do is I start looking through Wearsby. If you don't own Wearsby, you need to own Wearsby. He is the ultimate illustrator. Then I keep a catalog of every single book in my library. Um, I have a spreadsheet. I catalog every chapter um, that has to do with every subject. So when I'm prepping on something and I've read a book or I get a book, I catalog it. So when I'm on a sermon like uh, you know, such and such subject, I type it in and I go through that. Then I start listening to sermons. Then I grab guys like Tozer, uh, guys that are on that subject. I look up hymns. I remember my biographies. I've got those cataloged. And lastly, I pray again. And I'll do multiple rewrites. I do about three a week. And uh, that is what I do. And uh, that's all I have to say about that. That's me. You'll find your own way of doing it. And uh, you you need to practice. I dig
1: it, man. Well, you know, I think one of the big takeaways that I have from all of this is that um, in doing all the preparation and stuff like that, you really show and demonstrate that
2: you're not really a math pastor. You know, you're right, Pete. I am not a math pastor at all. <laughs> that's an excellent segue. <laughs> <laughs> and as someone who's not a math
1: pastor, you're not really a great guy at handling bookkeeping, accounting, payroll, pastor's payroll, parsonages that have to be reimbursed or paid for. In fact, that's just not in your skill set. You're more of a
2: preacher. Not only that, Pete, even if I were, I'd be so busy prepping my sermon. Ding it, ding diddly. I wouldn't have time for it. That's true. And if only there was an
1: organization out there that could take all of that burden off of the pastor and put it on their shoulders.
2: If only there were, Pete. If only there were.
1: I think there is. A better solution is here. It's called simplifychurch.com.
2: Well, I'll be doggone ding daidly, ding dong dinged.
1: And in fact, you can find more about Simplify Church. At simplifychurch dot com, so head on over to SimplifyChurch.com. dot com. One more time, SimplifyChurch.com. dot com. Golly gee, Willikers Pete, I sure will. That's all I'm saying for the non math pastor.
2: Well, hey, I guess that's it. <laughs> 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 well, hey guys. Um, Thanks for listening today. We hope you've enjoyed the preaching series as much as uh, Pete has enjoyed hearing about reading books. <laughs> and uh, starting at next week, we're going to go over
1: the book reading series. In fact, all we're going to do is talk about books, books, more books, books on tape.
2: Woohoo! Lucky you, Pete. Woo-hoo. So hey, guys, thanks for joining us, and uh, we always appreciate you listening. We hope it's helped you prep. Uh, your sermons. And guys, it's a lifelong journey. And uh, someone once asked Warren Wiersbe how he got to be such a great preacher. And he answered by saying, I suppose God's never let me get satisfied hmm. with who I am as a preacher. And uh, I think that's it, guys. Don't ever be satisfied or happy with who you are. There's always room to grow. Thanks for joining us today on the Church Planner Podcast. This has been Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell reminding you, if you want to go where nobody's going and reach what nobody's reaching, you have to do what nobody's doing and read what nobody's reading. Get to the church plant! Get to the church plant! Go! No! <laughs> Hi, this is Frank Viola from BeyondEvangelical.com, and you're listening to one of the most entertaining podcasts on the web today the Church Planter Podcast with Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell. <laughs>